You are listening to The Subjective Truth, a paranormal docudrama about UFOs, ghosts, and liars. Written and produced by Jeremy Ellett. Starring Addison Peacock as Graham Anderson. The Subjective Truth is a work of serialized fiction. If this is your first time listening to The Subjective Truth, please start with episode one. On an early episode of Buddha and Amy's podcast, Armchair Treasure Hunter, Buddha made comments which seemed to put the entire story in a different light. I don't believe it has anything to do with Buddha's disappearance, but because it's part of the discussion, I want to take the time now to share the conversation in question. Oh, 100%. If given the right set circumstances, I would absolutely fake an alien abduction. No, you wouldn't. Really? I would. But nowadays, with all the technology people have at their disposal, it would be pretty much impossible to get a good alien abduction hoax going. What would be the point, though? I don't get it. What's not to get? I gain low-level fame as an alien abductee, and I get to self-publish memoirs for the rest of my life. If I run out of material, I just drudge up some repressed memories or past lives and... Bam, I've got another bestseller. You know if you did that, I'd leave you. I'm not going to be the alien guy's wife. That's all that's holding me back. This would be funny if it wasn't so sad. We said a lot of crazy shit on that podcast. We are... We were... Both sarcastic assholes. Like, all the time. Does anyone want to play the clip of me talking about how I'm going to CRISPR gene edit all my babies into permanent babies? Or the one where Buddha said he was going to open a snow cone stand called Raging Coners? Or do those clips just not play into the convenient hoax narrative? What did you see? I'm not sure. No, don't lose the image. Think. Think. Um, okay, I... I saw four or five orbs floating around the outer rim. They were um, pulsating. It felt as if they were matched in time with my heartbeat. What color were they? Um, I... What color were they? I'm not sure. I saw blue lights. I don't know. We stopped recording. Buddha said he wanted to collect his thoughts before he put... Anything else on tape. The next morning, we packed everything up and headed back to the lot where we had left our Jeep. (laughs) 
I really wish I had an answer for what happened there. I'm as much in the dark as the rest of you. From my perspective, it went like this. We parked it. We locked it. Buddha pocketed the keys. Three days later, we got back to the parking lot where we had left it, and the Jeep was gone. We sat there for a while, hoping that someone else would come along and we'd be able to just use their phones. But no one came. Buddha wanted to try and walk the path out toward the main road. Did you? See, this is, uh, this is one of those moments of, I don't know, serendipity or terrible timing. It wasn't like, oh, we couldn't get anyone to stop for us. No, it was the fact that not one fucking vehicle drove past us the entire time. It's not exactly a densely populated area. I mean, sure, but still no one. The missing jeep killed the excitement we had from our sighting. I was over everything. The treasure, the UFO, all of it. Just ready to get home. Why did you leave the road? What a dumb decision that was, right? Basically, we were hungry, and it was hot. We weren't thinking straight. We talked ourselves into taking a shortcut back through the woods. Pretty quickly, we got ourselves turned around and lost. The sun went down, and Buddha went from looking angry to looking hopeless. He kept asking me questions about death. What would it be like? Would we still be together? Or does it all just go black? Forever? Real downward spiral shit. And then he said he wanted to record something. I'm recording a message. For when they find us. When they find our dead bodies. I really don't understand why you want to do this right now. Dear faithful listeners, this might be something we can laugh at one day, or it might be a final message. Uh, Are you fucking kidding me right now? Anything you'd like to say, Amy? Any last words? Buddha, please stop. We need to try and stay positive and- What was that? It sounds like- What the- Hi. Stop. This is the subjective truth. Stay with us. This episode of The Subjective Truth is brought to you by ours. We all want the same thing. We want to eat delicious, healthy foods and leave a minimum carbon footprint. Here at Arts Butchery, the first and still the greatest artificial meat subscription service in the United States, that's always been our mission. And we just want to assure you that mission isn't changing. It's just evolving. Now, coming to a city near you, Arts Rib House. All of your favorite recipes prepared by professional chefs in a relaxed 1950s style diner experience. Try our Wagyu burger, the great white shark taco, the I can't believe it's not chicken, chicken fried chicken sandwich, or my personal favorite, blue whale stew. Arts Butchery gives you all the meat you'll ever need and without any of the guilt or impact to the environment. 
Visit our website to view different packages available to members. And if you're close enough to visit an Arts Rib House location, come see us. We'd love to feed you. Arts Rib House. Eat it, sucker! Well, that's not the usual way I'm greeted by other hikers, but okay. Sorry for sneaking up on you. My name's Doug Funny. Like, THE Doug Funny? Like the cartoon? What is happening right now? No, I'm not a cartoon. I'm a real man, I promise. What's going on, Buddha? It's okay. Do you remember what he looked like? Honestly, he reminded me of that killer, Dennis Rader, the BTK guy. Just a regular suburban dad type who carried this dark, unsettling vibe about him. In 2015, on the popular social media website Reddit, a user by the name of Doug Funny 2 started a subreddit called Finding Fens Gold. For those unfamiliar with Reddit, a subreddit is basically a content dump for like-minded individuals to post information, pictures, and memes. Other Fen treasure hunters proceed to fill it with theories and information and solves coming from all around the world. Clues are collectively analyzed, meetups are being planned, and then, bam. Just like that, one day it's gone. All of it. The creator and moderator, Doug Funny, erased all the content from the subreddit and deleted his account. Some have theorized that he was confident about a solve and wanted to set back any potential competitors. What exactly happened to the person using the handle Doug Funny 2 is still completely unknown. There hasn't been a trace of him anywhere, until, possibly, this conversation with Buddha and Amy. So, was this Doug Funny on the client's recordings the same Doug Funny who created and ultimately destroyed the subreddit Finding Fen's Gold? Buddha seemed to think so. Doug claimed that he hadn't been following us. He had just happened upon us while he was on his own journey. We fell for it. Well, Buddha did. I remained skeptical of the weird guy we met deep in the woods, but I think Buddha saw meeting another Fenster as, I don't know, a sign that he was on the right path. Doug didn't have a cell phone or any way for us to contact anyone, but he claimed he knew about a ranger station that was nearby. It was getting too late, so we decided to make camp and head that way in the morning. That night, Buddha was filled with this excitement for the hunt again. Being able to talk to another Fen treasure hunter face-to-face wasn't something he'd been able to do very often. Would you like a drink? I, I have plenty to share. Mm, no. Thank yeah, you. definitely. You don't even drink. Do you think you've ever been close to finding it? It's... All relative. How long have y'all been out here on the hunt? A few days. 
We were supposed to be headed back home today, but our jeep was stolen. And then we got lost. Well, the good news is at least you aren't lost anymore. As far as your jeep... Are you sure it was stolen? What do you mean? A lot of strange stuff happens out here. You'll start to see it soon if you haven't already. What kind of stuff? Everything you've ever been scared of. <laughs> Have you come across a hide-behind yet? What's a hide-behind? Other, other than, well, the obvious, I guess, something that hides behind you. And a fireplace is just a place for fire, right? That's true. That doesn't make any sense. That's absolutely what a fireplace is. Shadows. Stick Indians. Man of woods. When you turn to look for them, they slink away just enough so that you'll never see them. But trust me, you'll feel the heavy presence behind you. Resting the weight on your back and then... They gotcha. And your family will never ever see you again. Or at least that's how it was told to me, but like most things, there's the legend, and then there's the bullshit artist behind the legend. Hidebinds were just some dumb excuse that loggers used to explain why other loggers didn't make it back to camp. Like, Terrence didn't come back last night. Oh well, guess the hidebind got him. You know how it goes. And on that note, I gotta go take a leak. Hope the hide-behinds don't get me. By the way, I almost forgot. The only real defense against a hide-behind is more alcohol. So drink! Hungry, hungry hypocrites. I don't like him. He looks like he still watches VCR porn. You're ridiculous. He's a nice guy, and he's probably going to save our lives. If our lives are in the hands of that guy, then we are already dead. If you want, we can just wake up early and go our own way in the morning. You can lead. I get it. I don't know where to go, and we're stuck with him. Exactly. So, eat this Lemon Luna bar and relax. Doug is alright. Damn right I'm alright. <laughs> Doug, would you mind if I asked you a few questions for the podcast? I'd be offended if you didn't. Awesome. I don't think I have much left on this tape, but I'm going to switch to a new one. Give me a sec. Not a problem, buddy. I listened to every second of every tape in the box Amy gave me, and I was unable to find the rest of the conversation. No more recordings exist from this point. So from here on out... Amy will have to guide us through what happened. This will no doubt be another point of division among the podcast listeners. Could Amy have doctored the tapes or thrown away entire tapes to hide incriminating evidence? It's a possibility. But for now, Amy was the last person to see Buddha alive. So I am very interested in what she has to say. I was bored out of my mind and ended up falling asleep pretty quickly after they started talking about Fen. When we woke up the next morning, it was all gone. 
all of it. Doug was gone, and he had somehow managed to take all of our belongings with him, but he was kind enough to leave behind two lanterns. We didn't have a plan. We didn't know if the ranger station Doug had mentioned was real, or if it was all just part of his scheme, so we just started walking. And my brain shut off, and I was on autopilot. Probably some defense mechanism to keep me from snapping. Clouds grew dark and the sky opened up. Rain upon rain upon rain. We knew we had to get out of it. Buddha spotted the opening to a cave. It was cool and dry and everything I wanted at that moment. We slumped down on the ground. I closed my eyes. Buddha was lying right next to me. I must have dozed off. I have no idea for how long. But when I woke up, I could hear, or at least I thought I heard Buddha calling me from deeper in the cave. He didn't sound scared or worried. He sounded excited. I got up and started to follow his voice. (laughs) Doug's lanterns actually came and, and pretty handy at that point. We started walking deeper and deeper. At any point, did you see Buddha? No, but I heard him calling me. It seemed as if he were walking away from me at the exact same pace I was walking towards him. It never sounded like I was getting any closer. The cave walls and ceilings closed tighter until I was hunching over, and then boom. That's it. The end. No other way to go. I stopped and listened for Buddha's voice again, thinking maybe I had passed him or or missed him in an offshoot. Then I heard him from behind me. It sounded like he was heading back towards the entrance again, and his calls were more panicked now. I had to have missed him. I turned around, and I started walking back. It's okay, Amy. Take as much time as you need. I don't think there's enough time in the world for me to feel okay with saying what I'm about to say. (laughs) As if people don't already think I'm crazy enough. Anything you saw... Everything that happened to you that night, it's all important. You never know what small piece of it could lead to finding Buddha. I took a few steps, maybe ten feet or so, when I heard a noise behind me. I didn't want to turn around, but I did. I thought 
It might be Buddha trying to scare me, but it wasn't. I still see the thing. My mind will just cue it up at random times. Oh, you're at work in a meeting? Remember this thing? I want to close my eyes to try and just empty my mind. This terrible image is right there waiting for me like it's been scratched into the inside of my eyelids. What did it look like? Fuck, why am I doing this again? So it was shaped like, um, uh, I don't know. It had a head, eyes, arms, and two legs, but it looked tall real tall and stretched out. The arms and legs seemed too long. They just hung awkwardly with these twisted claws on the ends that looked like uh, like a bird's talons. It had dark grayish hair, but it was short, fuzzy, real patchy. The skin underneath was a sick looking pale gray with white splotches. Like if someone tried to bleach an elephant. The face... Fuck. If at any point you want to take a break, or... No, I'm okay. I can do this. The eyes were solid black, and the entire lower half of the face was a mess of tongue and teeth. It growled, and I could smell the decay of flesh on its breath. I... Still gag if I think about it for too long. Do you believe this thing could have had something to do with Buddha's disappearance? I'm so crazy. I know. I don't know what even say these things. No one is going to believe anything. So obviously you got away. You survived. What happened next? When I saw it, I just ran the other way. I mean, fuck that horror movie shit. I just ran. And as I got closer to the entrance, I heard Buddha's voice again, calling to me, telling me to run, run, Amy, run. I still couldn't see him. I could hear him calling me from out in the trees. It was still raining pretty hard, but it didn't matter. As I ran through the trees, I could still hear Buddha calling my name. Time to get up, Amy. We're here. Shit. Time to find the gold. No. I was thinking about how I'd never see Buddha again. About how I just wanted to be home. And that's when I fell into the water. I still don't know how I survived. I sank to the bottom, and I remember just utter blackness surrounding me. And then my head was above water again. I was just flailing at anything I could grab. 
water was shooting up my nose and I was swallowing God knows what. My left side was slammed into something and it bruised me pretty bad, but my adrenaline had spiked so I didn't feel anything at the time. Eventually I was able to grab onto a tree root sticking out from the bank. It was blind luck, but I pulled myself out. I lay on the bank for a while. I must have been in shock. Or I don't know. I just... I just remember laying there in the rain until the storm died down. No one was coming to help us. I had no idea where Buddha might be. I could start walking, but any direction could lead me away from him instead of to him, so I just waited. They always say when you're missing, stay put. And at the time... I wasn't thinking, oh, Buddha is missing. I was thinking, oh, shit, I'm missing. I need to do what I can to help Buddha find me. He's probably looking for me. A whole day and night passed, and I just sat there crying. I still get stomach pains just thinking about it. These first few moments of realization for Amy were the first few moments of the search for Buddha Klein. If you believe what Amy is saying. I'm not saying that I don't, but what I am saying is that as the story continues, it becomes increasingly harder to do so. There's an important distinction that needs to be made. Believing that Amy is telling the truth about what happened is not the same as believing that what Amy says happened is the exact truth of what happened. I was so hungry and thirsty and tired, and I had no idea which direction I should be walking, but I knew I had to move. I don't think I ever shouted, help me, or anything like that. I just I kept shouting his name. I just kept shouting his name. Give it up, audience, for Buddha Clyde! Once it got dark, I stopped shouting and just cried instead. Nothing looked familiar, nothing looked safe. Just keep moving, I told myself. At some point, I saw a light flashing on and off. I thought it was a flashlight. I thought it might have been Buddha. So I followed it to a small little clearing, and suddenly, there were more lights. Bright white beams flashing through the trees, and then more of them, and more, and more, until they were all around me. With the ground in front of me now illuminated, I looked down and I saw our backpacks, mine and Buddha's, just sitting there in the middle of this small clearing. And that's when it happened. A flash of blue. And then it's all black. So, like, so Buddha Klein went out into the woods with his girlfriend? 
And I'm like, only the girlfriend came back. So I think that the girlfriend is working with the aliens. And that Buddha was abducted by aliens. I mean, it's really the only thing that makes sense. Because, like, how could she still be alive and, like, not know anything? Oh, 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 maybe she was also abducted by aliens and they wiped her memory. And that's why she doesn't know what happened to Buddha. I really think you gotta look into this, because, like, what if they were abducted by aliens? What if, what if Buddha Klein became the new captain of their alien ship? Oh my god, have you considered that? Hey, this is Greg the Funny Man at Not That Greg on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. Now, I've been listening to your show, and I was trying to decide to myself whether or not I should call in. I was like, self? Yeah, self? Should you call in? Yeah, you should call in. They need to hear your story, so here I am. Now, I knew Amy and Buddha personally. We were all three in Austin stand-up scene. We didn't hang out, per se, like one-on-one situations or anything. But uh, we were in some circles, same shows, same parties. And at one of these parties, I found myself in the back room with Buddha and Amy and a few others. I don't remember exactly how we got on the topic, but we were talking about side hustles. And Buddha lays out his master plan. Faking alien abduction. Well, UFO sighting, whatever you want to call it. See, what you do is you disappear for a little while, then you come back ready to share the story of the alien anti-nuclear message of unity and peace with the world. Man, it's really some bullshit. But if you want to know about more of what I said, remember, it's at Not That Greg on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and Google. Now, you can catch me at the Acid Watch Comedy Club in Tulsa through the 3rd and the 18th. Holla at your boy. I look into this. I, I gotta say, it's really the only reasonable explanation. Buddha Klein was abducted by aliens. Back in 1998, I was camping at Joshua Tree and I saw something in the sky that looked eerily similar to what Buddha and Amy described seeing in New Mexico. I don't want to say UFO because I know what that sounds like, but I don't know what it was. We'll be back soon with more of the subjective truth. Until then, stay safe and don't become a story. My name is Derek, and I was once a proud Air Force intelligence officer. But before that, I was no one from nowhere, and that meant I was exactly what they were looking for. Someone who could disappear. This all started because we had something to hide. Our secrets, ourselves, the truth. We needed to become invisible. Everything we did, believe me, we did it with the best of intentions. We never meant for innocent people like Buddha to be harmed. But I'm calling because I acknowledge my role and involvement in what's been allowed to happen. I first met Anna Dietrich on December 9th, 1965, just outside Kecksburg, Pennsylvania. Sightings of a bright blue fireball streaking across the sky were coming in from all over the Midwest. We were already en route to Kecksburg before the object crashed. Everyone was tight-lipped on what it could be, but a clear order was given. Obtain the object and limit civilian exposure. So we did as we were told, and we did a relatively good job of it. A few townies got a look underneath the tarp when we were leaving, but official word, of course, is that we found nothing. 
What we did find in the woods outside of Kecksburg was a device made out of a light but incredibly dense and durable metal. It was approximately 9 feet wide and 15 feet tall. Some people thought it looked like an acorn. Others thought it looked more like a bell. So we were in and out within a matter of minutes. A separate dummy group of officers stayed behind to, of course, continue the search. We were traveling in a nondescript white flatbed truck with a blue tarp covering the object. Halfway back to Point Pleasant, the tarp blew off the back of the trailer, and the driver pulled over so we could retrieve it. I hopped out of the passenger seat and immediately an arm reaches around my chest and a Walter PPK is pressed into my temple. This is how I met Anna Dietrich. Written and produced by Jeremy Ellett. This episode featured performances from A.R. Olivieri, Danielle Ellett, Roger J. Thatcher, Chris Butera, Dallas Wheatley, Celis K.I.P., Cedric Reeve, Mark Cashman, and Addison Peacock as Graham Anderson. Vocal direction by Danielle Ellett. Editing and sound design by Jeremy Ellett. Music by Baggio Alvarado. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.